You're listening to the USCA official podcast, which takes you behind the scenes of eventing, covering all the big events, professional tips and tricks, interviews, special guests, and the latest USCA eventing news. Welcome back to the USCA official podcast listeners, and we have got a full team for you today because it is the 2024 preview show. Rob Burke, Lou Leslie, Devin Byrne, welcome back to the podcast. Dee, I'm going to start with you because at the start of this call, we had a very happy 10-15 minutes discussing all things Super Bowl, which is not long sort of happened at the time of recording this. And it just made me think actually how sport unites and excites people. I mean, you were literally buzzing with excitement. I, I didn't know anything about football only three or four years ago. But if you love sport, and I think if you work in the area that we work in, you you understand the importance of narrative. You know what? Even if you don't even think about all those things, if you just if you just get bombarded with stories, like Taylor being such a, a key story in terms of how how you can break through to a mainstream, like it's such a good example of like why would someone have brand ambassadors or why. Why do you invest in marketing? Actually, like if you see what Super Bowl and what the Chiefs have achieved by having Taylor aligned with them, it's just brought the whole. It's it's. It made, I mean, that's not necessarily my my love for it hasn't come via Taylor, but my wife was interested in Super Bowl. Like myself and Denise were sitting up in bed looking at a phone at half eleven that night, being like, she, you know, she obviously doesn't care about the match at all or the score, like. She was amazed by the whole thing. Um, I agree with you on sport being a great uniter, but I think from an equestrian point of view, it's a great reminder of we have we have an amazing spectacle. I think we have a better spectacle than what football offers sometimes and what golf offers sometimes and definitely what baseball offers sometimes. Um, but what we what we have to ensure that we have, what we don't have, Nicole, is the tribal element. Like you'll talk to Rob in a moment and he'll tell you about the bills, the bills, the bills. No matter what the bills do, <laughs> Rob Burke will care. Whereas we don't really have that in eventing or others, we don't have the tribal piece. So we miss that. And I think our job, whether it's through podcasts, whether it's through graphics, whether it's at federation level or whether it's at event level, I think it's about ensuring that we can create narrative and then let people access it. Show people the Tammy Smith stories. Help people understand what that journey looks like and what it means and feels like for Tammy to win Kentucky. It's 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 very special. Yeah, I love I love the tribalism comment because you know I watch I'm watching football right, and it is one of the most complicated, hard to understand scoring. You know the the sport. Like, I love it. I've been following it since I was a kid. But you talk about the danger, the complexity, the the strange nature of the rules. And, you know, we're so self-critical in our sport saying, oh, well, the scoring is so complicated. Oh, well, you know, there's, there's the safety aspect that we always have to address. And I look at football and I'm like, at least from an American standpoint, it's it's the biggest, you know, spectacle we have. And you know, again, I think if we had the tribalism more ingrained, if it was, if if we had the marketing budget of the NFL, I think it could be a whole different story. But um, yeah, oh, you know, that's we, real we're, 
we actually have the seeds of tribalism, you know, we, because the culture of East Coast eventing is so different than the West Coast eventing that they're, um, the styles of eventing are so different that we have the seeds for developing those tribes. And that was part of the reason why Tammy's success at, um, at Kentucky was so fabulous was because she got that done um, West Coast style in the yeah. West Coast tribe. It doesn't take you long with like Robert Kellerhouse, Tammy, Frankie, Terry, Stutes, all that crew to make you feel like, oh, oh my goodness, there is a there is a tribal nature to the sport. I completely agree, Lou. The championships have it as well, of course. People care about their country a lot. Like we'll see that when we get to Paris this summer. Um, people will rally behind a team of three or a team of four and uh, and Bobby and, you know, the journey that that the US Olympic team will be going on this summer. I think we have it at that level. What what I think we get because we don't have the tribalism is that we get this huge support for the sport, uh, which is which is a everyone cares about the sport in a way that I found like new to me coming from other sports or ha- not having grown up in equestrian. I, it was new to me that actually we just we're just here to watch eventing for the day. I was like, I know, but who do you want to win? Like, who do you who would you like to see win? And the idea that like that's not really why we're here. I think that's both a, a, a positive and a negative. And I think it's it's something that has to be cherished as well. Which is there's a there's an incredible community, both at the athlete and owner and horse level. I mean that in terms of the support team level. Um, and equally, there is a there's an incredible community at that. And then you and but I but personally, I think you have to make winning matter at some level as well, because otherwise it's it's a show and it's not sport. And we we run the risk of. Yeah, I think you run the risk of not of of when we obsess over social license. I think we run the risk of of social silence, to be honest. I think it's a really it's a threat. You know, if you're not able to make it matter, why do why are why are we? Why would someone tune into the pod if it if it doesn't matter? So it's a good Nicole. It's interesting. It's interesting in terms of Super Bowl. It's a nice place to start because I think it sets us up for a, a pod about you know what is what is the narrative of twenty twenty four? How is it going to unfold? What should we look out for? Who's going to be our Taylor Swift? I was going to say, could we not hook Oliver Town end up with a Kardashian or something, and it would be marketing gold for eventing? Oh, can we just easy. imagine chaos? <laughs> um, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, right, uh, we're going to talk about the fact that it's an Olympic year in a moment. But, Lou, I actually wanted to come to you first because um, you're into year two of your three-year mm-hmm. cycle as president. How are you feeling coming into this season compared to 12 months ago? What have you learned and what are you looking to build upon for this season? Uh, what have I? Oh, I've learned so much. But just coming into the second season of it, um, I'm excited. The Board of Governors that... Um, I'm kind of the token head of and just the whole sport in general. It's, uh, it's exciting. And, you know, who would have thought I would have been on an Olympic year and um, everybody's just out there. We've kind of got done with the COVID stuff. Um, and, you know, now we're, we're full steam ahead and it's almost like a breath of fresh air. It's like, okay, we, we, we've got past the ugly stuff. Let's, let's get out there and get cracking. And it's funny, every year I kind of have um, a little mantra that I do for my own personal stuff. And last year, um, it was really a silly one. It was, um, um, you know, just be the mermaid with a unicorn, keep swimming. Um, and this year, it's it's my one acronym. It's, it's, not, it's not socially acceptable, maybe, but it's sugar. And it stands for shut up, go and ride. 
and I that's kind that. of and it's like I just need to go go sugar <laughs> and that so really that's fun. that's kind of going to be my mantra for this year one thing you were really passionate about last year and, and you sort of um moved a, a lot of mountains to be able to make it happen was being able to travel and kind of see US eventing at its heart all over the country because it is so vast and something that I think you know us Brits and Irish on the podcast don't quite appreciate actually how how big it is and and we talk about the east coast west coast and everything else but that was something you were really passionate about last year is there anywhere still on your list that you've not managed to make it to that you will be well I'm getting there I I so um this coming up weekend I think um the horse is going to be picked up in Maryland and brought down Florida and I'm going to hang out in Ocala land nice uh, his, his fancy dressage pony yeah um, at least for a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, so that means I'll have area two and three done. Um, and it, for this summer, I'm just planning to get area one done. And then next year, the, my final year, um, I plan to get area four and eight done. But okay. technically, I've already done eight because um, that's where Kentucky's at. Yeah. But And then uh, on the other side of the Mississippi, I've, I have all that done. Happy days. Lots, lots to look forward to this year. Um, right, Kentucky. I feel like 2023 was the fairy tale Kentucky. Tammy Smith, first US winner of Kentucky since 2008, first female winner for some 11 years or so, I think. Um, how do we top 2023 Kentucky, Rob? Because it feels pretty hard to do now, and yet it's going to be brilliant. You know, I think the only way we can top 23 outside of obviously winning it again for the u.s <laughs> would be um i i actually am really hoping and i've heard rumors that we're going to have a really strong contingent coming in from overseas so i've heard those rumors too rob if if that's the case then that just raises the excitement level you know i mean for us it's obviously you know having our american <laughs> winner is is the best but to the same extent just you know lovers of the sport just want to see talent and you get the the best of the best coming to compete i mean i hope to see you know some of the some of the big names um coming over and i you know i I, and for for d i'm hoping that you know the irish found have found a newfound love for maryland later on in the fall as well and that we have a an even larger irish contingent coming out there I would say not just the Irish. I mean, certainly the Irish in terms of the profile of the horse. Maryland really changed this year in in, in the way we had that build up. We had that we, we had that kind of warming up into it, and then we had that really tough cross country course that actually you would align more with a Burley in terms of the in terms of the shape and feel of it. Um, I think there's become, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, Nicole, but. And we have talked about it on multiple previous shows. There, there is a, there's a very clear separation in the sport between that Olympic level, that four star level generally, and the five stars. And to be honest, there is a there is a kind of golden triangle. Whether we, you know, how often we talk about it is up for debate. But there has been a golden triangle traditionally of badminton Burley, and then Kentucky joined that in the late nineties, and that stayed as the big three. For sure. And I think Marlon joining the first couple of years, it definitely had to feel its way and jostle its way into the into the 
consciousness a little bit but i think it arrived in 2023 it felt that way and i don't say that as an irish winner i, I was there i felt the excitement of the top five it felt personal to people david o'connor was crying like david o'connor was crying he's like, gonna love that, you for reminding everybody of that no he doesn't mind he, he cries, he, no. <clears throat> cries all the time yeah all yeah the- <laughs> i know but, but what i mean i suppose looking at um say take uh Hannah Sue, she's always Hannah Sue Burnett to me, but uh, Holdwell, Holdwell, is <laughs> Holberg, she? Holberg, Holberg, Hannah Sue Holberg. Yeah. yeah, Hannah Sue Burnett. But you see her celebrating her clear in the top five and actually brings it back to what it all means. And then Austin did the same. It was an amazing feeling, Rob. But I think that was definitely, I think Marilyn did that. When you go to what tops, Tammy, being honest, I think it's a fascinating conversation. I think you've summed up a huge amount of it in that. Firstly, as an American public, having a strong European field is cool to see them. Like it is a privilege to see people like Piggy and Michael Young, the flow, the style, the some of the emergence of, of Yaz Ingham and that type of talent that we have seen at Kentucky recently, Tom McEwen as well. The killer for me was the seven or eight years where actually you knew from the outset, Fisher O'Connor and Michael Young is probably where I'm really thinking here. It, it, they're almost unbeatable. They're almost unbeatable. Now Fisher Chipmunk, turns up and delivers the best ever finishing score that we've ever seen in a five star ever. Um, that is, you know, that is literally the best ever turning up. And I think the the challenge that we have at for Kentucky 2024 is to feel and experience and enjoy that talent. But I do think it makes a huge difference in that the lift we all got, the energy we all got as US fans to have a Tammy winning. Yeah. You know, and like it, it is it's a fine balance, I think. It makes us raise our game. That's the other thing too. I mean, it's it's we could be so insular and just focused on beating your next door neighbor, but when we see, like you said, Michael Young, Yaz, whoever, you know, uh, Ross Cantor, I'm hoping, you know, who, whoever yeah, yeah. Uh, comes over, and and we just look at them, and I think every one of our athletes are are true fans of the sport as well. So it's just an honor to to see it. I also think it's going to be a really interesting dynamic as to obviously it's a selection trial for the Olympic Games and you've got the final three selection trials for the US team and actually listeners later on in March we're going to have another team talk show with Bobby uh, so we'll get the inside line for you there but you've got badminton you've got Kentucky and you've got Tryon, the four-star long format so running over the space of what three weeks between them they're the final three selection trials now I would imagine most of the accommodations that are heading out to Kentucky we could well see a few, um, for example, I would imagine our Pan American Games individual gold medalist, HSH Blake, isn't going to be going to Kentucky for the five star. Might see him in the four star, who knows? But I, I imagine Tryon is the plan for him. And so you're going to have a period of time whereby you're going to see all of these big names fighting it out for selection in the Olympic year. And there's nothing quite like the sort of the brutal reality of actually there's only going to be three in the team and they've got to go out and they've got to deliver this spring and I think Kentucky obviously the four star and the five star there's going to be a bit of a a discussion I'm sure with a few horses as to which class we might see them run in but that all just adds to the excitement and it's going to give us a really really class Kentucky in a class couple of weeks. Rob I have to ask because just off the back of Kentucky and Tryon we then head into this year's Intercollegiate championships. We do. Um, where are they in 2024? They are, uh, I believe it's the first week in uh, in May. It's, yep, correct. Yep, yep Stableview in, in Aiken, South Carolina. Um, 
I will say that the the team from Stableview have been completely committed to this for the last couple of years, ever since we we agreed to transition it there. Um, and they've been essentially, I mean, really planning to roll out the red carpet. You know, it's it's tough identifying the the date for the intercollegiate championships. I'm not going to lie. Um, and so we probably are going to see it conflict this year. With, well, we know it's going to conflict with some some graduations, which is going to affect a few seniors. And um, this has happened every year in the past. It's just dependent on which schools are, are most impacted. Um, but I still believe, especially since our, our champions last year, Aiken, this is in their backyard and it's actually quite a good date for them. Um, they'll be there in force. We're going to have, you know, a, a lot of the, 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 the regular strong uh, programs show up. Um, you know, one thing though is new is the interscholastic championships. Um, so this is for fifth graders through 12th grade. And just to put it in context of how big that's going to be, I actually think we will have about double the entries um, because of the interscholastic than we would for intercollegiate. The interscholastic, to put it in context, we have about 30 colleges that register with us as affiliate organizations in a, in a good year. And um, so far, we've had approximately 50 interscholastic teams register with us. So uh, and that's just for this year. Um, so it's, you know, candidly, um, I love this, you know, we were talking a bit about the tribalism. This is an exact example of, you know, with the interscholastic, you can join your school as a team, you can join as a barn, uh, to compete. They, and those students can interact with the colleges, um, and potentially find a future home for, for them to go to, to university, which is ideally what we want. We want these kids to either move on to professional ranks of the sport and or continue as passionate lovers of the sport competing, but going on to get degrees, going on to be employable, et cetera. These are the guys that are going to be the volunteers of the future as well. You they know, are. They, there's so much kind of impact that they're going to have on the sport. I have to admit, you just touched upon the calendar there, Rob, and, and I always think it's one of those things that actually, listeners, we it's so easy to kind of look at the calendar and take it with a pinch of salt. It is a logistical puzzle that is slotted into every kind of place with the best accuracy possible. It is such a difficult thing to do. My hat goes off to everybody that spends, I'm sure, many hours kind of pulling their hair out as to try and get the best result for everybody because it you can't please everybody all of the time. It's hard. Um, but the calendar is is the prime example of that. Do you, intercollegiates. Yeah. I, I you mean, are a, you are what I don't want to do is come on. These shows run the risk, Nicole, for me, of my rare appearances of only coming on the same show. And every time I'm on, I say, I love Tammy Smith. I love um, and, I wear, <laughs> and I wear the same T-shirt to bed every night. And every week, my wife looks at me and says, are you keeping that T-shirt? I say, yeah, I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, you know, I've got more to me, Nicole. I've got loads to tell you about. For anybody, for anybody that is just joining the podcast or has just joined this conversation, Dee has been an avid and loyal Oban supporter for quite a long time. Good few years. Four years now. Wouldn't have been your like. Yeah. I joined him at War, the peak. War yeah. Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, War Eagle. And they they gave me the they gave me. They gave me narrative, which I love. Like they told me why all about War Eagle. They told me why they do what they do. But also, it was like the, without going 
too heavy on the football analogies. I think Auburn at the time were the Chiefs. They they were they were they were pretty unbeatable there for three or four years. That was the time to get on board. Got to got to share it around a little bit subsequently. But um, yeah, I remain. I'm for sale pretty quickly and easily, and they <laughs> they bought me they bought my affection pretty quickly, and I'm I'm all I'm all on yeah. the Auburn train. For sure. Right, let us go on to sort of the the big highlight, the big feature this summer, because there is something entirely different about coming into an eventing season in Olympic year, and we've obviously only had three years since Tokyo because Tokyo was delayed a year, so 2021 which feels like an exceptionally short Olympic cycle, probably because it's, you know, a quarter less time. But it's come around very quickly. The buzz, the excitement, the drive, the ambition, the competitive edge that we see all of these athletes get. Just how important is it, Dee, from your perspective, in terms of the, the future success of eventing, Um, We've obviously got LA 2028 to look forward to in terms of having a successful games for eventing, because it feels like it's so important now more than ever. I agree. I think it feels that way. But if I'm honest, I I think it always feels that way. I think it's probably been five or six years where it's felt this is the critical year. This is an important one. Um, Rob mentioned that we're hard on ourselves. I, I think we are hard on ourselves sometimes. I think you're right to ask, Nicole, but my... My answer maybe a year ago would have been, yes, it's another critical time. But actually, if we were to step out of the defensive mindset and give ourselves back a little bit of confidence in what we do, we're the only sport where we have an animal like another athlete. We, we present an incredible spectacle. If any other sports operated on equal gender terms the way we do, they would continue to talk about it and they would do it with a great degree of confidence. What we're going from Paris to an LA Olympics, we're going from a place that absolutely loves horses. France is, France is an incredible country um, for horses and for horse lovers. And we're going to the US. Again, I've talked about it on shows over the years, but like our relationship with with USEA and and by extension with Rob, because I think we were sort of starting close enough. You were a little bit before us, Rob, but we were close enough to the same time in terms of when Eck Riddings was, was starting out, 2015, 2014, 2015. And I, I was blown away when I went to the US as to the depth of passion across, it's not just convention, but the the, the pilgrimages that people take to Kentucky, the 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 love, the deep love, and again, I, we touched on it in the we touched on it in the the what you give up for tribalism. The love that people have of the sport and of the people in the sport. I think if we can maintain that confidence, could keep that messaging strong. I think let's 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 compare that to esports. It's hard to compete with that depth of passion. You can definitely be into games and be a gamer, but can you bring me? the depth of a story like like Tamiya Kentucky and Tamiya Kentucky is just the obvious one that comes off the top of my head but like there there are many versions of that happening all the time and not just in the US in f- five years time or in four four and a half years time they'll all converge onto all those stories all those current six and seven year old horses that we're beginning to see come into the system now doing their first intro levels starting to see like Lou you'll see them up and down the country this year and next year on on you know as we go to the events they're all going to converge their stories are going to all hopefully one or two of them will climax 
on the west coast of America in five years' time. So it is a critical year, Nicole, but I would urge us all to keep our confidence and not see it as in case we get, you know, kicked out by the IOC, which is, of course, it's real. Can't not have those conversations. But also let's look at it from a positive point of view. We offer the IOC, we offer the Olympic movement a, a rich history and and I think we should continue. We should be very proud of it. And I think we should continue to be very proud of it in a more um, out there way, if that makes sense. You know, not just seeing it from a, from a defensive mindset. I actually think everything you've said there has been beautifully put. And I think one point I would make from it is this is a really good year to be very positive about our sport and very positive about the stories because we have great sport. We have great stories and great people in it. And actually, let's champion that. Let's shout about it from the rooftops because, you know, we can all be guilty of kind of keeping what's normal to us isn't normal to other people. And so let's let's shout about it. Let's make a real difference. And, the, you know, just from a marketing standpoint, the imagery of Versailles is just going to be yeah. out of this world. Right. So like, as, and, and I'll say, actually, really interesting from a U.S. perspective um, I don't know if you guys saw, but some of the early, the, one of the earliest ads to come out for Paris Olympics here in the United States was Megan the Stallion with uh, dressage horses, right? So for us, there is, there's a lot to be excited about, um, as you said. I mean, I'm, I think, I think it's going to be a fantastic year of Olympics. I'm actually really engaged. I think, I think it's going to be tough to beat the Brits, whoever the hell you guys feel as a team, <laughs> but the, um, I think the U.S., you know, we've got a pretty solid uh, bunch of athletes to choose from. So, I, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic as always. I think cautiously optimistic is playing it down a little bit, Rob. I would imagine there is a real buzz and a real kind of excitement amongst a lot of people in U.S. eventing coming into this year. I, um, I'm going to ask listeners for everybody's prediction at the end of this show. And I, I thought my prediction is going to be I'm going to pick the Paris team. Well, my list has has more than three names on it right now. So I'm going to have to make some decisions in the next 15 minutes. And let's move on from the Olympics for, for just a second, because we'll come back to it perhaps with, with some of those predictions a little bit later on. But AECs, Rob, another sort of highlight of the year back in Kentucky. For back in Kentucky, back in Kentucky. It'll be back in Kentucky this year and then headed out to California next year. So Kentucky this year is, um, you know, one of the most exciting things this year is the addition of the starter level. So the starter level is our new uh, below beginner novice level, which um, there's already a ton of excitement. And we've seen a, a, a big rush of people and, and events Um registering the starter level or registering membership so they can go and get qualified to go to the AEC. So that's going to be exciting. And I will say, you know, last year, I love every division, obviously. And I will say the advance last year was actually quite exciting. It came down to one second, Liz Halliday, you know, didn't even know if she'd won it when she came through the finish flags of show jumping. Um, I, I think we learned a lot from last year, from timing to the structure to promotion. I I have a lot of faith that um, our live stream is going to be incredibly strong this year. So for those spectating from far away, it's going to be a really cool spectacle. And um, 
you know, I'm hoping for a, for a, about 900 of my closest friends will show up to compete. Um, Lou, I'm pretty certain last year we might have tried to exert a little bit of peer pressure on Rob to compete at the AECs. Um, yeah. Anything we can do for 2024? Like, we, I feel like we approached it last year too late on in the year. I'm sorry, my horse is going to be occupied because Dr. Andy <laughs> Burke is going to be shooting for AEC this year. Oh, fun. Yep. There you go. How are your yeah, He deflected. <laughs> Rob deflected. <laughs> yeah, he totally deflected there, Lou, didn't he? I mean, I feel yeah. like they could be a husband and wife duo. Like, that would be fine. They could both ride. It's not mutually exclusive. They could be another horse. Yeah, I, th- I think what's probably going to end up is um, he's going to be the best groom in the world. <laughs> no pressure. I'm an exceptional groom. I, I have groomed for Olympic athletes before, but <laughs> that's a whole other story. One, so. one day, Rob, we're going to do it like this is your life episode. And right. we're going to sit down and we're going to dig deep back into what the, kind of the life and times of Rob Burke. After the AECs, obviously, Marilyn last year, we've already touched upon it on this show, you know, absolutely huge competition. And, and it felt like the dynamic really changed in terms of the cross country. Um, it, three years, actually, is is how long the event's been running now. And it feels like that time has really been used to kind of bed the event. And it's, it's hard to put on a five star from scratch. Um, one big thing that is going to happen at, at Maryland this year is Ian Stark. It's going to be one of his last ever courses. You know, this um, man who has been such a, an influential part of the sport over the years, and we hope for many years he'll continue to be involved in the sport, but actually his cross-country course design, both over in the US, both in the UK, wherever it may be, Europe, has been hugely, hugely valuable to the sport. And I feel like that's kind of a big moment that we shouldn't overlook for this year. It's tough to say this is going to be Ian's last year, right? Because he, especially with Maryland, I think he really, he got it right last year. I really do think so. So we've tried to cajole him into staying longer, but it's not going to happen. So I'm sure at some point the announcement of who who will be the next designer will will come out. Um, And I know Ian will have a major say in that as well, but um, so, you know, we're looking for a good swan song from, from Ian. Um, you know, he especially, if you ever watch him um, during the event as during cross country, the stress, I mean, he's just. He, Bless his heart because he is, I mean, he he loves a good old rider frightening cross country horse to go and jump. But actually, like his design stresses him out. He finds it very nerve wracking. And he puts his heart and soul, his body, his mind, his lack of sleep, everything on the line during a week designing. And I think for those athletes who probably um, don't end up on the team or many that do, you know, that Maryland will be well placed for them to, to go and, and show what they've got and, and uh, maybe um, <clears throat> reclaim some of their uh, their pride or, or, you know, demonstrate what they showed at the Olympic Games. So we'll see. But no, I'm I, I love Maryland. It's now my home state so it should be a good one finally um before we do start to make a couple of predictions lou convention 2024 i think i'm right in saying seattle seattle's in my backyard it's going to be fabulous there's so much to do um that uh you know hopefully that i'm going to be bringing in um 
uh, relevant uh, speakers for us. And uh, we'll have a good convention and the mechanics of USEA will, you know, trudge forward. But the, it's it's a fun place to go. We'll be right downtown. Um, you can jump on the monorail, get up to the Space Needle. And I think there's a hockey game that's going to be playing during it. So we can go watch the Kraken. Lou's selling this. She is like, I will say, <laughs> putting more passion, energy, and planning into this than any president the USCA has ever had. Like, and and it's Kennedy, my backyard. Kennedy, <laughs> I am like really excited. Like, she's planning like poker match, you know, world poker championship, uh, like fundraisers. fundraisers. She's <laughs> like. Like everything, I you know, I even I really want to guilt the keynote speaker who she she offered to come, um, but who has not yet accepted. I really want to guilt him in into it right now because he's he's been on the fence and hasn't committed. But um, I don't know. What do you think, Lou? Should we do it or no? I I I think we should. Yeah, we have asked Ian Stark to be the keynote. Oh, speaker. come on, Ian. But he, I think yes. he's scared. I think he's scared about um, and. Uh, so I can get in trouble. So because you know, Ian will be Ian, I'm already in trouble. <laughs> it's fine, Corny. And if you're listening to this show, go and be the keynote speaker. I think you're he's scared time. of what he's gonna say. Like, <laughs> but we think we can convince him because there's good skiing within reasonable distance of okay of, yep. of, the, of Seattle. He'll get treated like a king. It would be a, oh. a hell of a way to to end his his design career to come and tell us what he really thinks. And, and candidly, we don't care. Like with the keynote speaker, we don't care if they're controversial. We don't care. <laughs> like the, We, we want to be entertained and learn something. And I think Ian could really do that. He is yeah. brilliantly entertaining. I mean, controversial. I think he just, he's honest, isn't he? He just says it how it is. That's and it. hopefully he's going to have a real influence on the U S team's cross country performance at the Olympic games this summer. And he's going to talk about that as well. So mm-hmm. But if we can't convince him, I'm sure I'm sure Lou will come up with with an amazing um, yeah. speaker. One we'll way put it out there to the universe now, team. Yeah, uh, yeah. hopefully, hopefully. But Seattle is just going to be super fun. And what he was alluding to is um, uh, for a fundraiser for the uh, USCA Foundation, and the actual USCA uh, is to do a uh, poker tournament, and I'm. We can do it on international waters, which just happens to be only a click out in Puget Sound. So I can get one of the Argosy cruise ships and we can we can we can have a poker tournament on a boat in the middle of Puget Sound looking at the space needle. Selling this. (laughs) I mean, this sounds brilliant. Dee's already booked his flights when he heard those but he's Irish. He loves a bit of betting. (laughs) I mean, I do. I I I would be there for that. I don't think I would be on my own, though. I'm trying to put myself into Saturday night convention headspace. And then I'm worried about, you know, all that Lou has to offer and putting, you know, when you bring that group of people, like what makes convention so special is that group are very rarely together without horses or without, you know, a show jump or a cross country day the next day. So it's my experience is so it's a wild time. I'm, I'm sold already, Lou. I'm sold. I'm sold before Ian Stark. I'm sold with or without Ian Stark. Um, but yeah, something to look forward to. Ian, would be my selling point. Right. Predictions 2024. Um, what I would like us all to do is to 
just predict something that is going to happen this year. Ideally, ideally, put yourself out there. I think pretty certain last year on this show, somebody predicted that Tammy might have been UD, that Tammy was going to go and win Kentucky. That happened. So a bit of bragging rights on the line as well. It can be event specific. It could be Olympic specific, or it can just be something eventing generally. Rob, would you like to go first? Sure. So first, first, I will admit I missed last year because I think I picked Will to to win a five star uh, in Europe, but it didn't happen. But you know, I I thought it was a fair guess. Um, I will say though, the year before, I think I picked that the U.S. would become the leading country for uh, frangible devices that we would have more frangible yes. than yeah. any other country. Pretty sure I hit that one. Uh, you know, I, I haven't, I, I haven't counted it, but I had Captain uh, Phillips tell me for sure that we had more frangible devices than anywhere else in the world. Um, so this year, let's see. Can I? I'll just cheat. I'll just make it easy and say Americans medal um, and in Paris. Come on, you've got to give us deeper depth. Oh, well, I don't want to pick specific Team, individual. I don't want to. Pick Specific athletes, uh, do I? I don't know. No, no, you don't you have to don't, be the athlete. You don't. I can, <laughs> you we, don't. Yeah. and I can take charge of that bit. We're do uh, you don't need to put yourself in a tricky spot. But, like, what medal are we talking here? Um, hmm. She just means, can you beat the Brits? Because we can, can beat the Honestly, God, I'll get in trouble for this. I, I think we're going silver. I think we're going silver okay. this year. Not to be sniffed at. Not to be sniffed at. And then in LA, we'll take gold. So there you go. Okay. Lou? Well, it, you robbed me, Rob. <laughs> <That was, laughs> I, I think it's, uh, we'll miss the gold by a smidge. I, I think we're going to be wrapping right on, on the door of, of the leaders there. Um, so for a team, I, I bet we're going to be silver um, poss- by a smidge. And then LA, I thought, yes, we'll, we'll get the gold there. Um, and then... I think this for the AECs bringing it down to the grassroots level that uh, the starter division is going to be probably one of our larger divisions. Okay, that's very cool. That's exciting for the sport, definitely. Yeah, because uh, yeah, it's their Olympic moment, and you know that little those those grassroots people just the smile on their face when they go through the head of the lake and they've jumped a, a log on the ground is. It's um, inspiring. Very, very, very cool. D, I've, I've got my, I've got my U.S. Olympic team nailed. I've Is that it. your prediction? I, I, I'm going to try and stay away from it because, um, well, because you've all done it, and I agree, I agree with, I agree with what you're saying. So I, I, <laughs> I go on then. What's I yours? think, um, I think you could. I think you. I think it is possible to go to to go to Kentucky and defend it. Like whether Tammy defends it, I don't know, but a US defense of it, I think is possible. I'm going to go a little bit wilder, like harder to prove, but I think this year will be the year that the four-star class at Kentucky becomes its own thing, that it stops being the kind of baby brother and that we begin to see Kentucky led a place in the sport for a certain type of horse and another type of horse. We touched on it in the Maryland conversation um, in that the type of horse that goes to Maryland and those jewel and the crown five stars. I think we we know now that we have five star horses. I think we also know that we have Olympic horses and we have short form horses. And for a long time, we've been forcing two of them down the same road. I think 
having two two of those classes at Kentucky allows us slowly to get into a headspace that actually facilitates outside of a championship the four star level or the or the for the Olympic level is what the Olympics will call it, but the Olympic level or the four-star level of the sport, I think, is a really important part of the commercial play, the risk management play, and also just having another place for horses to be able to showcase what that particular breed and skill set are able to do well. It's been coming, but it's taken a while. And again, like like Marland, I think it took a couple of years to bet in in terms of like that first year of the four-star, like it was... Well, not not as many finishers as you would want, um, and I think changed a little bit last year. But it's always because it's at Kentucky and because Kentucky's the five star, it's always been an afterthought. I think this year it might feel different. I think all things coming together, I think the four star winner of Kentucky will be more in your eye line than it has to date. I I think that will only be um, heightened by the fact that we're going to see. And this isn't my prediction, but I think we're going to see a few of those key Olympic combinations running in the four star as opposed to the five star. And that is going to give it a gravitas, um, an importance. That it happens actually at Le Moulin. Yeah, absolutely. The German national championships in the four star at Le Moulin is massively competitive. So, yeah, I agree with that. OK, who wants to know the US team for the Olympic oh, Games this year? Yeah, tell me. Bobby. Um, I'm even Bobby, I'm Bro- even. Bobby Brown, that would be you. I've even written uh, horse names. So, I mean, this is listeners. I mean, I've I've had to be brutal with myself. My list has has been whittled. Uh, Will Coleman, Chin Tonic, Boyd Martin, Commando 3. That's the horse you all need to be watching for this year. Absolute machine. Definitely look out for that. Tammy and my balm. And I'm actually going to say, I think Tammy will go for the four star in in Kentucky if she if she's planning for the Olympics. I think she'll save his legs and skip the five star, skip the defence of her title on him. This is so unlike you, like to make. I'm these totally outdoor... laying it all out there. Now, my fourth. <laughs> so they're they're my my first three, and I've kind of gone pick the team of four because there'll be a travelling reserve. And this one, I did tussle with myself significantly because there were two names I couldn't decide between. But I'm actually going with Caroline Pamucci, HSH Blake, the winners from the Pan American Games last year. I think that would be a logical, logical selection. Get her, uh, get her the the uh, Olympic feel um, and prep for LA for sure. This space, oh guys, I am so excited for the twenty twenty four season. You guys have already started your season. We're still sort of preparing to kick off. It's just raining a lot in England and Ireland at the moment. Um, it's going to be a brilliant year. We're looking forward to to going behind the scenes in another build up to the Olympic Games listeners we managed to do it with the team talk series and the build up to Tokyo we'll be doing exactly the same on the USCA podcast in the build up to Paris it is an unbelievable insight well worth a listen Uh, but we've got loads of other very cool shows up our sleeves so do stay with us if you haven't already hit the subscribe button it makes all the difference Uh, you will get every shiny new episode every two weeks landing in your inbox Um, if you haven't listened to the Valentine's special you need to go and listen to it because honestly, Rob is Rob is nodding here. Rob messaged me yes. and said it was oh, loved it. it was so funny. Yes. Silver Martin is literally a saint. That's all she's I'll new, say. She's my new hero. She's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um, but go and listen. Boyd is hysterical. And we had James and Helen Alliston on as well, who were brilliant. Um, well worth going to tune into that. So look, 
Yeah, thank you as always for all of your support. Looking forward to a brilliant year. And thank you, Lou, Rob, Dee, uh, and you lovely listeners for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the USCA official podcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback, then we would love to hear from you. Get in touch through any of our social media platforms at US Eventing. And don't forget to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform to make sure you don't miss an episode.